Hey y'all, it's time to take a brew break. I'm Keela from Keela D Subcreation, sharing my favorite stories 11 points at a time. You can look forward to English major insights, fangirl freakouts, and biblical tidbits as I dive deep into fiction and nonfiction stories in any form. Now grab a brew and join me for 11Zs. Hey guys, welcome back to 11Zs. I am so excited about today's guest. Um, we've been Instagram friends for a while, so I feel like we know each other, even though this is the first time we've actually talked. <laughs> Although I follow you so much that like, I once had a dream that we met in real life and it made me so happy. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I was like, oh my gosh, like internet friends are real. It used to be something you were afraid of, but now it's like, I want to meet you in real life. <laughs> 100%. Yes. <laughs> so this is Megan Horvath. We found each other on Instagram a while back and I've been following her story and I would love for her to share it with you today. So brought her on as a guest. Glad you're here. Thanks. I'm really glad to be here. I'm excited. Oh, me too. Me too. All right. So first question, do you have an 11 Z's beverage? Ooh, I you- do. Ooh. It, it, I guess they can't see this. <laughs> <laughs> just show the audience. Yes. Here you go. Uh, no, it is sparkling ice, strawberry lemonade. Nice. I try not to drink a ton of pop, but I still really like carbonation. So this is carbonated water without the seltzer because I do not like seltzer. I love that. One, I've been obsessed with strawberry lemonade lately, so I'm sure I would love that. Two, you just said pop. So now I need to know where are you from? I forget. <laughs> I'm from Indiana. Indiana. Okay. Got it. So what time is it there? Uh, it's eight. Okay. Okay. Not bad. Okay. Cool. Indiana has two time zones though. So some people are in are seven, but I'm eight. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good to know. Good to know. Well, I'm drinking a V8 and it's not the fun, like fruity V8. It's like straight up vegetable. Oh yeah. My husband bought it and he was like, it's great. It's like full source of vegetables. You need to drink it. It's healthy. And I was like, but what does it taste like? He's like, it's fine. It tastes like tomato juice. And I was like, yeah, but why would you want to drink cold tomato juice? No. He was like, just try it. So yeah. And it's, it's not the worst thing. Yeah but I'm not enjoying it. So, (laughs) but now I've been, I've been keeping track of like what my drink is each week. Oh yeah. I'm trying not to repeat. So that's why I'm getting into weird stuff now. (laughs) Yeah. You've like reached the bottom. (laughs) No, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have to just go find lots of fun, new, new drinks that are actually tasty. So yes. Anyway. All right. So second question is a very big one. Okay. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your story and as little or as much detail as you would like. Okay. So my name is Megan and I am a children's minister. I have been in ministry uh, for like a decade now, which is insane that I'm old enough to say that I've had a profession for 10 years. I know. Wow. (laughs) I love ministry. I honestly, I went to school to do youth ministry and I kind of happened upon being in children's ministry and people used to joke when I first started that I was a children's minister that didn't like kids (laughs) because like right out of college, I just was so intimidated by kids. So not interested in that world. And like the only experience I really had was like VBS and just saying the same words over and over and over. And I was like, I hate this, yeah. but 
the opportunity presented itself to like volunteer as a youth leader and then also be paid as a children's director. And so I took the opportunity and I was like, hey, I actually really like this when I do it a different way. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing for about 10 years now. And um, I'm from Indiana. As you heard, my Midwest situation here with pop. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, so goodness, my story. I went to a Christian college. I grew up in a Christian home, loved all of that, really heavily involved in the church growing up and given opportunities at a young age to start leading in church, um, like helping with different things. And that really sparked something in me. I wanted to go to school to be a lawyer, Hmm. which is very different than ministry. Uh I don't know if you know that. Um, but as I was in college, God was like, no, Megan, you're going to be a minister and that's what you're going to do. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. I don't know any female ministers, but I'll do it. So that's been kind of an interesting journey of like figuring out my role as a female minister, but every church that I've worked at has been super inclusive of me, has really encouraged me to use my gifts that God has given me. Uh, because I really do believe that he has gifted me for this. And I can't see myself really doing anything else at this point. I absolutely love it. I have lived lots of places in Indiana, but I also lived in California for a year. In 2017, I met a really cute and funny scientist. And uh, we, goodness, he was amazing. And really swept me off my feet really hard, really fast. Mm -hmm. And we got engaged like two months after we met. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was really crazy. (laughs) But we, goodness, we were so, 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 so happy. And he was so awesome. And we got married in November of 2018. And there were like some weird things that had started happening, but I wasn't really sure what I thought it was just like stress, wedding, all this stuff. And he was in the process of accepting a position in California. And so one month to the day after we got married, we moved to to the Bay area in California. So like just South of San Francisco. And that was probably one of the hardest things I've done in life. The people that that I ended. So I didn't work for two months and he was going to work every day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, not well, (laughs) just being completely by myself, feeling super isolated, having no one to talk to all day. Um, I would just like call my mom and talk to her all day on the phone. It was really sad. (laughs) Yeah, that was, it was really hard. And as we were out there two months, I got a position at a church and I started becoming close to the people at that church. And thankfully they put me into the community pretty quickly of the church staff. And it was a big staff. So there were a lot of people to interact with and that helped me a lot. Unfortunately, um, my husband, Alex continued to just go downhill. His mental health was struggling really bad. We were one month married and in marriage counseling, Mm. which is unexpected. You know, you, you have this vision of what life as a newlywed is going to look like. And that is not at all what our lives looked like. 
I used to say to him, like, man, I wish the arguments we had were that you left your socks on the floor or that you didn't put your clothes in the clothes hamper or that you didn't take the dishes out of the dishwasher. Like I long for those kinds of disagreements, but instead, because his mental health was declining so rapidly and he, with that was drinking more and more heavily to Mm self-medicate, um, our conversations were more about someone is trying to attack me and you are the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And your sister is stalking me just like these really outrageous things that he would say about me, about my family, about our neighbors, about his coworkers, about my coworkers. And so it got to the point we never went anywhere or did anything. We just basically came home from work and were in our apartment completely isolated. And it was really sad. And it was really, really hard to watch this man whom I loved beyond belief and was so happy to be married to become a completely different person. And that's the best way that I can describe it is that his mental illness made him a different person. He was no, he was no longer the guy that I fell in love with and married. He was some, he was a stranger in my own home and we were working with a psychiatrist and we were working really hard to get him help. And it just, it wasn't enough in those moments. And in January of 2020, he took his life and that was a huge surprise to me. I didn't know that we were at that point. I knew that it was bad. I knew that he needed help and probably needed to go to rehab in order to stop the drinking for the psychiatric medicines to work. Mm -hmm. But I did not realize the depth of the pain that he was in. I knew the depth of the pain that I was in as a result of his pain, um, but I did not understand what was happening. And I would have done anything to stop that from happening, Mm -hmm. Um, but it did. And so I was out in California when it happened. And so I was, again, I had my coworkers, but I had no family. I had no one out there to, to help me. So my coworkers all came and took care of me until my mom and my aunt and one of my pastors from Indiana could come out there and be with me. And I was there for four days. And after those four days, I was like, there's nothing here for me anymore. I have, I cannot go back into my home. Um, it happened in in our home. And I was like, I, I cannot go back into our apartment. I cannot go back to work here. Like I just, I can't be here. Um, so, so that happened on a Monday morning and on Thursday I moved back to Indiana. Wow. I left pretty much all of my stuff behind and basically started my life over. I lived with my mom and my sister and my niece for about a year and a half. And during that time, I was just trying to be a person, trying to heal, trying to understand what happened, how we got to that point, what God's new plan, not new plan, but what his plan moving forward was for my life. I really thought in those moments, I'll never go back into ministry. Something that I loved so much 
but I was like, I don't know how it could possibly be the person for someone else when I can't be a person for myself. I need someone else to love me right now. I can't love and guide other people. So I started a blog, like I'd had a blog a long time ago and it just was kind of ministry stuff. But then I started, I revamped it and called it a widow's guide to living. And I was just writing letters to Alex that were my way of coping and dealing with the thoughts that were in my head about grief and struggle and why did you do this? And what does this mean? And what does my life look like? And so that kind of happened and that kind of shifted into this like Instagram stuff that I was doing uh, very heavily into talking about um, suicide loss, talking about mental illness and mental health in the church, especially talking about grief and what it looks like to be a widow at a young age. I'm only, I was only 30 years old when that happened. So I'm 32 now. Mm -hmm. And you don't like when you envision a widow, you don't envision a 30 year old girl. Like you don't. So I was just trying to give people a glimpse into what that world looked like while also offering hope in the midst of hurt. And so I think I've done the best that I can in that realm. And that's kind of what I've been focused on. But then in September of 2021, I accepted a new position as a children's minister. I really felt it was time. Um, God was pushing me back into ministry, like full-time ministry, instead of doing the Instagram and blog thing. I was like, no, I need to be in a church. And so I actually am back in the town that I went to college in, which is really cool because I still had some connections here. So I didn't feel completely isolated moving back. And it's only an hour away from my family, which is perfect because California was way too far away from Indiana. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm here, I'm doing children's ministry and I have a boyfriend, which is really exciting and he's really sweet and kind and he goodness, like God has just been so powerful and present in this story. And I've said it a million times, like, I don't know how people go through hard things like this if they don't know him. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just really thankful that he has allowed my story to impact people and that it, it hasn't just been about me and Cause it's not. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot. Sorry. No, that's, that's perfect. That (laughs) that was, that was great. But yeah, I am trying to mentally keep track of all my questions, (laughs) all my (laughs) follow-ups. Okay. So you kind of hit on this, but what led you to decide to start sharing your story? So was it more like just you trying to work through your own feelings or trying to find people out there to commune with, or what was your thought behind it? I think it was a little bit of all of it. I personally needed to write stuff down to process through it. My therapist had told me that that would be a good thing to do. And so I started doing it that way to help myself, but also, so Alex and I had been going to a marriage counselor, and also a psychiatrist out in California. Mm -hmm. And in the four days that I was still in California after he died, I went and saw both of them. 
And the marriage counselor actually happened to go to the church where I worked. And they had asked me if I wanted them to share that he had died by suicide or if I wanted them to just say he died. And I had said, oh, don't tell why, like, don't say what happened. And that was like a shame thing for me Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't really even let people know that he was struggling while I was out there because I'm a pastor, right? You know, like pastors aren't supposed to struggle. Well, that's a, that's like a big fat lie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I went to see the marriage counselor and he told me that he thought it would be very beneficial if we were honest about what happened, like not details, but just that he had been struggling with a mental illness and he took his life. And so I decided that that was what we were going to do. And once that was shared with that congregation, I started getting messages like, oh my goodness, Megan, I'm so thankful that you shared that. This is the first time that I felt comfortable in church telling someone else struggling. Yeah. And so that kind of opened the door to be like this story of mine and of Alex's is powerful and impactful to help other people. And if I keep it to myself, then I'm doing the world a disservice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's really (laughs) powerful. So was Alex a Christian as well? Yes. And were, was your marriage counselor Christian giving you like Christian counseling? Yes. There wasn't a lot of like, I mean, yes, he is a Christian, but it wasn't super like go and read the Bible together. It wasn't like, sometimes you get, we get this idea of like what Christian counseling is and it wasn't like that super. Just pray about it. It's fine. No, he was not like that. He was like, listen, you need to do this. You need to do that. You need to talk about this. You need to talk about that. Um, So. I was thankful for that. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Definitely. Okay. So you've decided to share your story. What is the message that you're sharing? Are you advocating for like Christians need to be talking about mental health? Are you saying like suicide awareness? Are you like just reaching out so people know that they're not alone? Bit of everything. What's your like key message? Yeah. So it started off very much Christians need to be talking about mental health. And I think that the pandemic really opened that door in a lot of churches because so many people were isolated and isolation is horrible for mental health. And so I think that that message was really well received, but then also became a very loud message from a lot of people. So over time, I kind of stepped away from that a little bit more and more into just there is hope in our hurts and talking about how not in like a false positivity kind of way, but just in a way of life is really, really hard sometimes. And even in the midst of those hard, dark, scary moments, there is hope because Jesus Christ is our hope. Yeah. So that's kind of the message that I have in general, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Definitely. I love it. So why do you think it's important to share that kind of message with others? Oh my goodness. Because this world desperately needs hope everywhere you go. That's why there's so much turmoil is because people are at the brink of whatever it might be, financial 
marital, mental health, whatever it is, like people are at the edge. And if they don't see a glimmer of hope, who knows what's going to happen? And so sharing that there is hope, even in the darkest moments, is super important for people to see that you can get through those hard things in a much better way than just letting it eat you alive. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And like the Bible never says like, oh, it's all hope. It's all good all the time. Everything's great. Like it straight up says you're going to have troubles. Mm -hmm. This is happening, but you don't have to live in that. Right. Right. I love that. Okay. So you said earlier that you started to get like messages from people saying, oh my gosh, this is great. Thank you for sharing. It gave me confidence to share my story. Is that typically the response that you get? Or have you had any responses that were like, why are you talking about this? Like this, like negative responses. Yeah. I, for the most part, people have been very receptive to what I've been sharing. I think sometimes people look at my story and the way that I portray it as false positivity. I try not to be that way. I think occasionally like other widows maybe think that just because when you don't know Jesus and you're in the midst of this darkness, you don't see the hope. And so telling people that there is hope when they don't understand it can be really hard for them to receive. Yeah. Um, And then I think sometimes other people view it as just, I'm continuing my own misery by continuing to talk about it. And so those are people that actually know me Mm -hmm. and actually are close to me. And I think that sometimes they think that the more I talk about it, the more I upset myself and the more I think about it. And I think sometimes that is true, but it also, I think is important for me to express those thoughts that I have, because sometimes once I express them and write them down, I can move past them. But when they're just swirling around in my brain and keep going and going and going, and I don't put them out into the world, it just keeps going. There's no end to it. 100%. Putting it on the paper is like, it puts it in a place. Yes. Stay there on the paper. Yes. That's a really good way to say it. Were you a writer before this or was this like your first shot at writing? Yeah, I was not. (laughs) I, you know, I had written some curriculum for kids ministry stuff for my own, for my own church, but I hadn't really done anything else. (laughs) Nice. But you like it now? I do. I do enjoy it. Yeah. Therapeutic tool. Are there some things that you write that you don't share? Like you just write it just for you. There have been some notes in my phone that I haven't shared. Like, like I'll write down ideas of stuff I want to talk about. And then that idea just never comes to fruition. And I think that sometimes that's just like God saying, not that one, Megan. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, okay. So you've talked a little bit about how your faith has affected the way you look at your story. Do you want to expound on that at all? And then also how has your story affected your faith? So was there a time like right after it happened when you were mad at God or doubting God, anything like that? So my faith has impacted my story in an immense way. 
pretty shortly after it happened, I started going to EMDR therapy, which if you don't know what that is, it's like, it has to do with eye movement and rapid desensitization. Um, it's a lot for trauma and I recommend it to everyone that's had trauma. (laughs) It's one of the best, best decisions that I made was to go to that. But, um, it sounds very hokey when you talk about it, but I went into it in a very like prayerful state, like asking that the Holy spirit be the one to guide me through it and not my therapist. Like my therapist was awesome. She was really kind. She's a Christian. Um, and so as I talked about the Holy spirit in the midst of that, she was very understanding of me saying those things. Mm -hmm. So I think that having a spiritual relation, you know, having a relationship with Jesus really, really helped me a ton in the midst of this, because I honestly could have gone down such a dark path had I not known that at the end of the road, there's hope, that there's hope for Alex, that there's hope for me for eternity, that there's hope for the world um, through Jesus Christ. And I think without that hope, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do when hard things happen. I don't know how you progress through them because there's no like guiding force. There's, there's nothing to push you forward when you feel completely stuck. And as far as my story impacting my faith, I, (laughs) I think I'm just such a strong willed person that I never allowed the depth of grief and the depth of loss and the depth of honestly abuse that I went through to turn me away from my faith. And I don't know how that's even possible with everything I went through, but I just absolutely knew that I had to cling to Jesus. And that was literally the only way I was going to get through this. And so there were like, I was angry. I was super, super angry after it all happened. And there were days when I would just cry to my mom and I'm like, there's, there's no one to be angry at. Like I have no place to put my anger. I'm not mad at God because it's not his fault. That's not what he wanted for Alex. I can't be mad at Alex because he was so sick that he, I honestly believe he didn't even know what he was doing when it happened. He didn't know. I can't be mad at myself because I did everything I could to help him. I was like, I just have all this anger with nowhere to put it. Yeah. <laughs> so I would close my eyes and imagine myself punching, punching a wall. That, that was the way I dealt with my anger instead of being mad at God, because I knew it wasn't what he wants for his children. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. <laughs> like so powerful. I also appreciate the fact that you just imagined yourself punching a wall instead of actually punching a wall. Well, I'm, I'm really weak and I'm a baby about things. So if I had actually done it, I would have just hurt myself. (laughs) Very true. Very true. (laughs) Okay. So that is a practical tip right there. Do you have any other practical tips, habits, or routines that have helped you like get through this and live a better story? Yeah. Again, EMDR therapy, I think if you have trauma in your past of any kind, it is such a good idea to do it. It really focuses on moving things back and forth between emotional and logical to help your mind deal with the things subconsciously so you don't necessarily even have to relive those really hard moments. And it helps to 
soften images if you have images in your mind. Mm -hmm. So I would highly recommend that. Writing was huge for me in the early stages of grief. I don't do it as much anymore just because my life is kind of crazy right now, like just with busyness. (laughs) Um, But I think writing really helped. Worship music, I listened to, I, I had a really hard time sleeping at night it happened while I was in bed. Like sleep was just a scary spot for me. Mm -hmm. And so I would listen to worship music until about 3am when I could not stay awake anymore. I would turn it off. I would fall asleep just to put that in my mind instead of like all of the swirling thoughts and fears and all of that. So that was huge. Just not keeping it inside was huge for me. Like actually spending the time to talk to people and cry with people, even as embarrassing as it was for me to cry in front of literally everyone I've talked to since then, you know, about it. I was not a crier before and I would just hold all of my emotions in. And so actually allowing yourself to feel the things you need to feel and taking the time and space to do that is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. Now I get to move on to a little bit lighter questions for the rest of it. (laughs) Okay. This this has all been great so far. Okay. So who else has a story that has impacted you who you might like to hear, share their story on this podcast? So the Julie Bender, that's her Instagram tag. Julie Bender. She is a widow And well, she calls herself a former widow now. So she's remarried and she has a podcast called the Julie Bender show and her story and my story are similar ish in the way that our marriages were in the way that life was kind of before we became widows. Mm -hmm. And so watching her and seeing the hope that she carried through, she was in ministry Um, watching the way that she moved forward with her life, like, oh, there is hope beyond where I am right now was really important. And then the nurse Jules, that's her Instagram tag. Her name is Julie. She is also a suicide widow. I found her on love what matters like a month after Alex died. And her story is so crazy, similar to mine that I reached out to her on Instagram and she has been like a little Instagram friend. Both of them have messaged me a lot and we've talked a lot. And when I started dating Travis, my boyfriend, who I did, I feel like I didn't give enough justice to you. He is amazing. And and I love him. Like (laughs) I just said his name. Like I just said, I have a boyfriend, but like, he is really, really great. Anyway, (laughs) when I started dating him, I reached out to Julie and how, or well, they're both named Julie. (laughs) I reached out to Julie Bender and I was like, just give me your best tips. Like, I don't know how to go about this, but I really want to date this guy, but I'm really nervous. So, yeah. Yeah. So has it been great? Like, has it been weird dating after? A little, a little weird at times. Our big thing that we tell each other is like, we just have to be open and honest with each other. Like he's divorced and his marriage was hard. My marriage was hard. And so two hard situations coming together, we've just really had to have open communication with each other because sometimes 
we don't know what is going to upset the other one until it happens. And then we have to be willing to tell the other person like, Hey, I would prefer it if you didn't call Alex, my ex, cause he's not (laughs) just little things like that. You know, like he's never known a widow. So like, he didn't know what the right terminology was just Mm -hmm. little things along the way like that, that have been like kind of awkward. Like, I don't want to tell you this, but I really need to tell you this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it's going well. Y'all are super cute and look super. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What? Okay, wait, before I get to this, sorry, I wanted to ask you this. So were you just like going and finding like other blogs or other Instagram accounts of widows to just connect with? Yes, I was. (laughs) I regularly put on my stuff like hashtag widows of Instagram or young widows or there was this. Oh my gosh. There was this Instagram group that used to exist. It doesn't anymore. It was called hot young widows. Oh, I don't believe that about myself. (laughs) But the nurse jewels like would use that hashtag. And so I started following it and I just found a lot of other widows. And I honestly have a lot of widow friends on Instagram and we interact regularly. And it's really cool to see that like it sucks that we know each other because of that, but they're also really cool people. So yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Okay. So what books, movies, or shows have inspired you personally, creatively, and spiritually? Ooh, so goodness, I'm so not a book person. That's totally fine. Totally fine. But I will say there are a couple books that I absolutely love. One of them is called Living So That, and it's by Wendy Blight. I think that's how you say her last name. She is part of Proverbs 31 Ministries. And that book, I've, I've read it multiple times. It is so good. It has like questions in it as you go through. And it's like, just, it, it says how the subtitle is how to live a faith-filled life in the midst of hard things or something. It's mm-hmm. something like that. That's definitely, yeah. I definitely butchered it, but it's, <laughs> it's about like in the midst of struggles, how do you stay faithful? Yeah. Live a faith-filled life life. And I think that that's been really important. And then another book that I really love and that speaks deeply to me is called Holy Roar. And I couldn't even, I can't remember who it's by. One, one of the authors is Chris Tomlin. It's like Chris Tomlin and someone else. Mm -hmm. I can't remember, but it is about the seven Hebrew words for praise. Mm -hmm. And it is just so good and has helped my personal worship of God a lot, which I think is really important in the midst of hard things, because it's really hard to get out of yourself and to still praise God when life sucks. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. I'm taking notes of both of those. Okay. Is there anything you want to add or reiterate from this conversation? I don't know. I think just continuing the idea that, you know, in the midst of hard things, there is hope and that it is okay. And you can get through hard things. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. Living proof right here. (laughs) Unfortunately, unfortunately, but some good has come. So yes, absolutely. All right. Where can we find you and your work? If we want to read your blog or follow you. So my blog is Megan K. McGee at wordpress.com. 
And my Instagram handle is at Megan K Horvath. Perfect. I will link all of that so y'all can find it, but thank you so much for coming. This amazing. Thanks for being brave and sharing your story. I know you're helping lots of people. So thank you. Thanks for joining me for 11 Z's. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review, subscribe, tune in each Thursday and tell your friends. You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at KD Subcreations and check out my blog and other free content at the link in the description. Now go where you must go and hope.